Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 49, 365 days down, so much more to come. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. I would like to take a moment to share. During this episode's recording, we have reached Player 54 Podcast one year anniversary. It is hard to believe that a year has passed since recording our first episode. So much has happened during this time. What began as a solo affair of talking into the ether as Let's Talk XFL eventually expanded to multiple appearances by contributor Brian Roth. From there, the show evolved into its intended format of weekly guests from around the XFL community and more. A few months ago, we experienced rebranding as Player 54 Podcast with hopes of establishing a better relationship with the XFL. What our followers and listeners may not know is throughout this journey, I have experienced several personal challenges, including grieving the loss of my mother, adjusting to the new life with my fiance 1,400 miles away from our family and friends, an ongoing struggle with diverticulitis, which has included multiple hospital stays, surgery, and more. I am grateful for everyone who has joined us on this journey and continues to support the show. I wouldn't be able to do this without my team in the background, Melissa, Brian, and Rich as well as my affiliation with XFL Newsroom, who has been vital in providing the show with a platform on its website and played an important role in booking our first guests, James Larson and Zach Kyleman. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now, time to kick off year two. This week, we have a fantastic show. There are several XFL developments to cover, and we are blessed with two great guests. Later in the show, I will be joined by quarterback Justin Arth to discuss his journey, XFL Texas Showcase, XFL Washington, D.C. workout, and so much more. I will also be joined by broadcaster, host, and writer Rod Peterson to discuss Dwayne The Rock Johnson's meeting with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment Chairman Larry Tannenbaum, as well as ongoing Canadian Football League and XFL rumors. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On October 12th, the XFL announced its partnership with the Indoor Football League. Per the league's press release, it is a wide-ranging player-personnel partnership. The deal provides the framework for transferring players between leagues and the opportunity for players released from XFL teams to be transferred to Indoor Football League rosters. The two leagues will also work together in scheduling joint tryouts, sharing video, and game films. Then, on October 20th, a pitcher of cornerback K.J. Sales with XFL St. Louis wide receiver coach Ricky Prohl went viral on Twitter. In the photo, Prohl was holding a binder with the St. Louis Banahawks logo on it. This alone does not confirm 
the Battle Hawks branding's return. However, after leaked XFL shop images, recent XFL St. Louis workouts having players wearing Battle Hawk blue shirts, it just seems to tip the scale in favor of the Battle Hawks branding to be back in 2023. Also, on October 20th, two XFL town hall events were shared via social media. First, XFL News Hub contributor and Dreams Begin Within the X podcast host Jay Noakes posted an image of his invitation to the XFL San Antonio Town Hall, which has been rescheduled for November 2nd. Second, XFL and USFL Fans Administrator Brett Tears posted an image of his XFL St. Louis Town Hall invitation, which is now scheduled for November 1st. Then on October 21st, XFL Communications Department social media accounts posted the Nick Novak Specialist Showcase Participant roster, which was held on Sunday, October 23rd. Without sharing the entire roster, we must note that former Tampa Bay Vipers tight end Nick Truesdell is listed as a long snapper participant, as well as a former St. Louis Battlehawk punter, Marquette King. I find the league posting the Specialist Showcase roster a bit surprising. When I attended the XFL Florida Showcase in Bradington, Media members were giving rosters for the D.C. and Florida showcases. However, we were instructed to not publish or share it. Our public relations representative claimed the XFL wanted to protect their interests from other leagues. Also, on October 21st, MarkCast host Reed Johnson posted an image of his invitation to the XFL Seattle Town Hall, which has been rescheduled for November 9th. As the day went on, two more images of XFL Town Halls went viral. XFL Orlando's is November 1st, and XFL Washington, D.C.'s is November 3rd. Despite not having Arlington, Houston's, and Las Vegas town halls, this is encouraging and vital to the league's ramp-up to 2023. A segment of the XFL fan base believe this is when the league's branding for each of the eight markets will be announced. Unfortunately, I do not agree. Seeing these are private events and are scheduled for times which are not ideal for maximizing media coverage, I believe the branding announcement will be done before these events. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here are the scheduled time slots. Orlando, from 6 to 8 p.m. San Antonio, from 6 to 8 p.m. Seattle, from 6 to 8 p.m. St. Louis, from 5 to 7 p.m. Washington, D.C.'s, from 6 to 8 p.m. In addition to these events bringing hardcore fans together to meet team coaching staff and personnel, I believe this is where the team uniforms will be unveiled. Also, on October 21st, XFL Arlington's head coach Bob Stoops dropped some information on his Coach Bob Stoops YouTube account. Here is the clip from when he discusses the XFL. Last question for you has nothing to do with college football. It has to do with all the excitement around the XFL coach. What what can you tell me about what's going on behind the scenes for the XFL? Yeah, just our entire staff, uh, really everybody has been uh, just evaluating players in the player pool. You know, different players are opting into the, you know, to the player pool to be drafted. And uh, that's going to be, that's going to continue, you know, and I'm, I imagine even after our initial draft, we may have a supplemental draft mm-hmm. later. So right now we're scheduled to do our draft uh, in uh, mid-November, around the 16th, I believe it is, in uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, and then uh, then we'll start practice not until January. Um, now, again, not sure yet if we'll have any supplemental drafts 
before January, but I'm sure that's always a possibility. But practice starts in January, and the first game will be the weekend after the Super Bowl. All right, going to be a lot of fun watching you on the sidelines again there in the XFL. Well, Coach, thank you so much. And remember, guys, for videos anytime, just tap on the video link. For Hall of Fame football coach Bob Stoops, I'm Brad McMullen. So, we have more confirmation. The XFL draft will be held in Las Vegas on November 16th. Coach Stoops also mentions camps will begin in January, as well as there is a possibility of more supplemental drafts before then. Then, on October 22nd, American National Combine held the XFL Supplemental Showcase in San Diego for players who were on the waiting list. XFL coaching staffs and personnel were in attendance to evaluate talent for November's draft. Then, on October 23rd, the XFL held its specialist showcase in partnership with Novak Kicking and Consulting in San Diego. The event was specifically for kickers, punters, and long snappers. This was the last scheduled showcase before November's draft in Las Vegas. As I have previously mentioned, I will now be joined by quarterback Justin Arth to discuss his football journey, XFL Texas Showcase, and XFL Washington, D.C. workout, and more. Welcome, Justin. I appreciate taking the time to join the show to discuss your football journey, XFL Showcase, and your recent XFL Washington, D.C. private workout. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, Michael, for having me on. I mean, it's been a whirlwind of a journey thus far, so I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, I think you have a very interesting journey, and I try to focus on players with a not-so-cookie-cutter pathway. You played your collegiate ball at NAIA Texas Wesleyan University in Fort Worth, Texas. Can you walk us through your recruitment process from high school and what your college football experience was like? Yeah, so it started off very cookie cutter as it could get. I was actually recruited by multiple Division One schools. Uh, I had a PWO at, or preferred walk-on for those that don't know what a PWO is, at Baylor. I was thinking about taking that, but my biggest offer was a was an uh, actual scholarship to be at Vanderbilt. And then a lot of your kind of like lower Division One FCS schools like Houston Baptist, which I've seen today has changed their name to Houston Christian University or something, but a UAB, uh, Georgia State, schools like that. And so uh, going into my senior year, I was thinking, okay, my mom works for Georgia State and to go there, stay home. But then at the same time, like UAB shut down the football program and that'd be a perfect thing to step into and say, hey, we're building a program from ground zero after the whole university shut everything down. And so I was thinking between those two or heck, I grew up a big UGA Bulldogs fan or Georgia Bulldogs fan. So go to Vanderbilt and prove to coach Mark Richt at the time why you should have recruited me. But uh, ended up breaking my collarbone my senior year of high school in game five and had my official visit at Georgia State the very next weekend. Uh, so I'm walking up in a sling. They're like, hey, uh, you were number two on our list uh, for guys who wanted to recruit. Now you're banged up. So uh, sign our piece and pulled the offer. So then what happens? I go to my UAB official visit the next week, Sanford the, on that same weekend because um, it worked out that way. And then they pull their offers and then there goes Houston Baptist and everybody else just because uh, the ESPN network, so to speak, find it or the other recruiters find it. So by the end of my senior year, was able to come back playing a state championship game when the team kind of stumbled uh, to get to that point and had the game of my life, which kind of got some college interest back, but none of it was at the division one level. Uh, and kind of had to restart 
through everything. So recruiting process restarted for me when I was going into uh, like baseball season and, and all that when after National Signing Day. So I was thought I would go to Alderson Brodus University in West Virginia. And then it turned out on signing day that they pulled the offer from me because the leading passer in the state of Pennsylvania decided to commit to him. Who cares? Whatever. But found te- little old Texas Wesleyan. So a funny story about them is uh, they were in a very situ- same situation as UAB. They never had a football program st- or they haven't had a football program since 1941. So they shut down the football program when the team captain went to go fight in World War II, challenged the team to go with them. Uh, and so they were starting back up in uh, the fall of 2016, bringing 75 guys into a class that we would just sit there and work out for a year, not touch the football field until the spring. And then we were able to go build a football program. So I was like, hey, I, I like that challenge. It's going to show my leadership to an NFL team. And uh, whenever I got to that point, because my whole goal was, all right, I'm going to go in and do what I can academically to graduate in the December semester or in the fall semester, regardless. Uh, so I was fortunate enough to do that four and a half years, get a master's degree and a bachelor's out of it. But that was my plan going into it. Like I'm going to graduate in December. So what else can I do to make my NFL resume look good? And that's okay. Go to a football program that maybe I wouldn't get the looks cause it's NAI, but it's an opportunity to go play. And it's an opportunity to go start a program and work on my leadership. Uh, work on starting a program from the ground up. Uh, what I've found through then my professional career is a lot of these arena organizations need that leadership. Um, and in, XF, in the XFL, starting up, restart, it, they're, they're going to need the same thing. So it, it's something that I think that I bring to the table from my experience. But what brought me to Texas Wesleyan, long story short, though, was uh, an all-star game out in DeSoto, Texas, where they gave me the card and said, hey, we're starting up the program. And that's where everything just kind of start, started circling like, hey, like, uh, I don't have to go D3 uh, like I was thinking I was going to have to do and pay money. I was being offered scholarship to go play at an NAI school, and I did. So college career obviously had plenty of ups and downs, but I wouldn't wouldn't trade anything for uh, to go back to Texas Wesleyan and say, hey, like I'm I'm proud alumni, happy I've been there, done that. But at the same time, like it made me to who I am today. So that that was the recruiting process, but yeah, whirlwind for real. <laughs> I think there is a lot to be said about people that are battle tested, not just necessarily in the game, right? I think there's a lot of things that everyone's like, oh, you know, some adversity, you know, on the football field kind of helps. No, I think some adversity in life because you got to really figure out who you are, mental toughness and, you know, your outlook. Can you keep a positive outlook? You know, it's funny because uh, I'm a, I'm a Dolphins fan, and I got some buddies that were just sending me some texts, right? The Dolphins weren't looking too good there against the Ravens. And I'm like, you know, there's four quarters, man. And it's not that I think that the Dolphins are going to win the game. But the game isn't over until they blow that whistle. And the people that can keep their calm, cool, and collected have an impact on the rest of the guys. That guy in the huddle. Now, it just happens to be you're a quarterback, right? So here you are battle-tested in a way that your offers were all just drying up. You still found a way, and I don't know what your mindset was then versus, but it sounded like you were ready for the biggest challenge of them all of building a new program. So it tells me that you didn't shy away from anything. You could have just went to any D3 school and just said, forget about it. Just going to go play football. 
but you did take the harder road, you know, so to speak. So, oh, of course. I think there's something to be said about those type of guys. So, any adversity you got while playing the game is just to me even an added bonus because life doesn't matter what sport you play. <laughs> It's not going to be easy. And if it did, when you finally hit that roadblock, will you know how to proceed, how to handle it, right? So I think it's good that you've had, you know, this crazy path, you know, to where you're at. Now, I didn't dig too much into your numbers, so your collegiate numbers. From your time at Texas Westland University, did you – receive any honors or receive any invitations to like senior bowls? No. So I, I was someone who started off when the, when the program started, I was getting playing time. Then we had a grad transfer come in and took my spot straight from me just because he was transferring a grad transferring from a D one school. And so there was a time where I started the program played well, had the spot taken demoted down to scout team through all that. I was still a four time uh, sooner uh, academic, sooner athletic, conference player, but none where it ended up saying, okay, hey, you're uh, the uh, first team, all team quarterback, what sooner, sooner athletic quarterback, whatever. But no, I mean, we were building a program. And so record wise, we were 0 and 11, 2 and 8, 3 and 7, and then 1 and 1 in the COVID year that kind of ended everything for me. And so it, it was a true build uh, where for me, starting out, at, uh, earned, the, earned the job to go play, uh, put up some good numbers. Got benched when the D1 transfer came in, got demoted to scout team, had to fight my way back up, played. And for me, I mean, like I was still number two on the depth chart, but I decided, hey, like, I I don't think I'm going to develop if I'm just going to sit here on the sidelines and do hand signals. Uh, I want to go help the the first team defense get better. And so I went over the first team defense and said, hey, like, let's get this work in. I, I don't care if everybody else on scout team is the is the freshman or the sophomore or even the junior that somehow made it onto the football team that is good at football, but maybe not as good as like a college level athlete should be. We're going to go in here and do work and make sure that you guys get uh, the reps that you need to go out on Saturday and, and help win us a football game. And that still led to playing time because the the division one quarterback that we had transfer in would get hurt at times and uh, was able to go in and either mop up things if we were losing terribly uh, or the couple games that we were winning a lot uh, could go in and, and mop things up, but also had chances to start games uh, whenever he was injured. So I played in 21 games in my career, started 15 of them, uh, and put up pretty solid stats, 2,800 yards. Don't even remember how many touchdowns, whatever. I'd have to go look at it. But had a, had a very solid career uh, for the journey that I had to that I kind of had to undertake, and then uh, COVID threw everything for uh, for a loop. Where uh, came back, I was going back as a redshirt senior, had the job back, was ready to go uh, become a, a all conference player, and then got COVID right a week before our first game of the season. So I uh, ended up not playing in the two games that we did play, and then as soon as I got cleared to come back. We had one of our players play with COVID and then cancel our third and final game. So, and then graduated in December, like we talked about. Uh, and then that ended up canceling my, uh, or stopping my ability to come back in the, in the spring to play uh, the last six games that we would have. So it's, it's definitely a whirlwind of a career, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Cause I tell everybody that for me, the development that I had on scout team has probably been the, and that drive that I had to have to try to prepare like I'm the starter and fight on scout team every single day. Like for me, every day was game day. I wasn't 
being babied around saying, oh, no, oh, you're tapped on the shoulder, plays dead. No, I was getting full on like hit stick like you would see in Madden every single play, every single game. And so for me, game day was that three hour practice whenever I was on scout team. So I went out and I tried to rack up scout team player of the week awards every week. And it got to a point where they decided like, hey, we're going to start awarding these receivers a scout team player of the week. So I just said on the Sunday meetings, like, hey, when the scout team player of the week's awarded to a receiver, I, I just know that it was me that really won the award, but they can't give it to me. But I tell everybody that my time on scout team really probably made me the player that I am today because it, it put an extra level of fire or an extra level of grit. And since turning pro and working with Tom House and the same guys that trained Drew Brees and Tom Brady, it's the same type of fire that they have, especially Brady, to be able to prove people wrong and say, hey, like you may not be the biggest or the tallest or the most athletic in Brady's case, but that fire of saying, hey, I'm a pick 199 in the sixth round and everyone was doubting me out anyway, I get a shot because Drew Bledsoe gets down or goes down with an injury. I'm going to go show you that I can go play another 24, 22 years, whatever it is in the league now um, and go be a, a guy wearing a gold jacket. So that's the same type of fire that I have. And I think scout team kind of molded that into me. And then it just benefited me once I got to arena ball and, and taking that journey back up to where I know I should have been uh, with NFL interest, XFL interest, USFL interest, and getting that opportunity in the outdoor game to really sh- show what I have. You obviously did something right because I stumbled across that from your time at Texas Wesleyan, you had an an award named after you. Yep. Can you enlighten us how this honor came about and what the award actually is? Yeah. So to be honest, I'm not even sure if they're handing it out anymore because the guy who or the head coach is still there. And I just saw him earlier this year when I went back their opening game against Arkansas State, Quintanero, or some school down in Mexico that's branded as Arkansas State. But I'm pretty sure Coach Prudhomme still gives that award out. But it was kind of coined by our offensive coordinator when he saw all the work that I was putting in and the level of effort and the enthusiasm that I would bring to every single day in practice. Um, and so one thing our head coach, Coach Joe Perdome, does say is we have an acronym. So Texas Wesleyan is uh, the Texas Wesleyan Rams. So we have an acronym that that is Rams, and it stands for Respect, Accountability, Mentality, and Sacrifice. Uh, and that was our, our like solid base foundation of what we wanted to be as a program, whether it's athletes or, or students in the classroom. So that directed how each one of us were to act. Uh, and for me, I just tried to go in and do what I could to be the most respectful or to hold my teammates accountable, to have that mentality of never give up and, and continue to fight regardless, and then to sacrifice whatever I needed to sacrifice to be on that field. And so at the end of my college career, when I came crying in the in the office saying, hey, I can't come back because I'm graduating and the athletic director said I'd have to take classes and and all of that and thinking I would have had another six games and it just didn't work out that way. They awarded me an honor of saying, hey, like because of what you've meant to this program, even though you haven't played every single game since this program started and we've even kind of done some wrong to you in, in terms of playing the other guy over you, we're going to give an award called the Arth Rams Award in your honor to a player every year that exhibits the Rams mentality. Uh, so the respect, accountability, mentality, sacrifice that you showed your four and a half years here building up the program at Texas Wesleyan. So I've never been a part of 
the actual handing out of the award. So I'm not going to go say that it's something that actually truly stuck, but they did say that it would be an award that they would be giving out to a player every year, whether he was a guy that played or a guy that was on scout team or whatever. Uh, But whoever resembled the Rams mentality uh, would be someone who would get that award. So it's definitely something that I'm very honored because I would have never expected to, to be given the opportunity to have an award named after me. I was hoping that maybe I would win a Heisman Trophy or or a Best Quarterback in the NAI Award or or whatever, or a couple maybe Sooner Athletic Conference or all NAI All Americans. But I, I never thought that a true character award would kind of be named after me, um, which is something that I, I hold myself to because uh, I am a person of faith. And so that's something that I try to exhibit and, and spread with everything that I do. It's my platform. Uh, and so that just kind of was a reassurance to me saying, hey, like you're doing something right if your coaches that maybe mistreated you in terms of playing time still saw what you brought to the table, even if it wasn't the number of touchdowns or the game time that you truly gave to the program towards the end of your career. But it, it accumulated into an award that I'm forever grateful for. So you had already kind of shared the arena going professional. So after college, you signed with the Peach State Cats of the United Arena League. How did this opportunity come about? So funny enough, I had actually gone back to school because uh, my coaches were telling like, hey, like you could come back in the spring and still play, not have to take a single class. And then money started rearing its head saying, hey, you've got to now pay meal plan or room and board or whatever because of budget cuts. And, and me trying to get the money taken off the account because I'd already graduated with a master's degree. It's like, all right, I'm here to play football. I'm not here to take class anymore. I got my degrees. It ended up coming to the athletic director saying, hey, you need to take courses or you got to get out. Uh, and so I made the decision, hey, time to get out. And what I had to put on film was good enough, I think, to get an NFL look or a UDFA invite. But because of my decision to go back and try to push off the draft process by a whole year, I missed the NFL draft deadline by a week. And I was searching for agents, things like that. Nothing really kind of popped up immediately. So I was thinking my football career is done. So I moved back home with my parents to start looking for a job. And then I had an old, could have been college teammate, but college rival of mine reach out that was from the Atlanta area uh, that played out in Texas as well saying, hey, like I'm, I ended up quitting that team out in Texas and I moved back home and I'm playing for this uh, small arena team called the Peach State Cats. It's here in Georgia. Uh, we, I've been to practices like two or three weeks and they're saying they need a quarterback. So uh, you mind coming on in? And they're paying $600 for the season. So let's uh, let's go on in and be the teammates that uh, we should have been during his JUCO recruiting process. And so I went on in there, had a blast uh, in terms of playing arena football. It's completely different than the 11-on-11 game. Had some fun playing arena football, played there for four games, uh, and then realized that, all right, uh, it's borderline semi-pro. It's still professional, but the way that some of the teams were operated – uh, Peach State Cats definitely weren't, but some of the other teams we played and the fields that we were playing on wasn't good for my health and getting film for the NFL draft or being a UDFA. And so I ended up leaving at the end of uh, the fourth game and then still led the league in passing at by the end of the season uh, and was awarded 2021 UAL Rookie of the Year. Uh, and then obviously uh, the Peach State Cats have now moved up into another league and then they're they're slowly trying to build themselves as a team to 
by one day, hopefully get into the NAL or the CIF or the indoor football league uh, is where they kind of envision themselves. But right now they're looking at themselves as the premier developmental arena league for the next level leagues. So that's kind of my journey with the Peach State Cats there. Um, And then obviously found an agent during that time. And I'm starting to kind of get attention from some NFL and CFL teams, uh, the spring league at the time. Uh, they invited me out to do uh, or to be a practice squad player for the alphas for a championship for that championship weekend. So I was able to go spend a week with that team uh, and kind of practice with them. Uh, but it was kind of more of like, Hey, like we just need a quarterback to be scout team for somebody for the championship week. So go do that. So I don't even put it on my resume that I've been there because in my opinion, it doesn't count. Uh, so go there, do that. And it opened up opportunities to where my agent was able to place me in the indoor football league this past spring with the Tucson Sugar Skulls. And then there's a completely different story with, with that too. But, but yeah, so that, that was kind of time with the Peach State Cats. If you want to share your other experience, you're more than welcome yeah. to. I, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't dig it up. I always think it's interesting that players who play indoor arena, however, term that various leagues use and i don't know maybe there's a difference technically with rules and why they call it one yeah. versus the other i mean if you want to share your other experience or if you have insight as to why they call it one way or the other i hate enlighten us yeah. why not yeah for, for me i think arena and indoor are completely interchangeable i think it's just how they want to brand it but at the same time i do know that there were some differences from my time with the peach state cats playing branded arena football to then the indoor football league, which is branded indoor football. So a lot of that is kind of more taking up CFL rules or not taking up CFL rules. So the arena, so in the arena game, you're allowed one receiver to move in a high motion, similar to the CFL up in Canada, but in the IFL uh, you're allowed two receivers in motion or a high motion towards the line of scrimmage. And so that's really the biggest difference. But then there's some kind of differences with uh, in the indoor game, uh, one linebacker has to stay in the box or like a five-by-five box in coverage unless the quarterback breaks contain and then he's allowed to leave the box uh, as opposed to like in the arena game, it's just a free-for-all. It's just seven v or 8v8. Defensive players can move wherever all over the place. Offensive players can move around all over the place. And with the indoor game, it's it's just a little more structured uh, and there's more rules that you have to think about. So one thing that I actually liked about it was uh, the blitz, like if there's an extra blitzer than the three defensive linemen, they have to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm blitzing. So it's kind of like, all right, oh, yeah, watch 54. He's blitzing here because he's he has, he has to tell the, the ref that he's blitzing. It's it's weird uh, for sure, but it definitely helps with your uh, your pre-snap awareness of what defensive coverages that they're in and be able to truly read and react to things as opposed to read a play like I am accustomed to in the 11-on-11 game. But if we get into Tucson, my agent got me placed uh, with the Tucson Sugar Skulls uh, in the Indoor Football League, which has kind of taken place of the old AFL that like Kurt Warner played for. And so that league ended up shutting down, I believe, in like 2015, 2016 due to bankruptcy, whatever. People just stopped going. And so the Indoor Football League kind of took that mantle of saying, hey, we're going to pick up some of those teams that have fallen, like the Iowa Barnstormers, uh, and then we're just going to continue to add teams to it. So my agent got me placed uh, to Tucson, and I ended up going into camp with them. Uh, Little did I know, though, that it was a last-minute placing. So they had already had a quarterback by the name of Daquan Neal, who signed with uh, the USFL, already signed there. He was a former 2019 league MVP, and I didn't know that when I signed the contract. I'm thinking I'm going in there to be the guy or at least compete to be the guy. 
And then once I sign the contract, show up to camp, it's, it's like, hey, Justin, no matter what you do, you're not starting. We've got 2019 league MVP here, Daquan Neal, and more power to him. But I was like, hey, I'm going to go in. And I'm still trying to push him for his job. And so I did that. But during that time, during training camp, CFL teams were like, hey, like, we love what you're doing and we love the film that you've already put on paper and we see that you're signed with an indoor football league team. We want you out at our private workouts in April. And what it turned into was going into training camp, I was cleared to go to one or two workouts because I only knew of one or two teams at the time that were wanting me to try out. But then it turned into six of the nine teams in the league wanting me to try out. Um, And I'm like, hey, like the way this is working out between my second home of Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, and my original home here in Atlanta, like I could go to uh, six of these teams, all six of these teams, six weeks back to back to back. But unfortunately, it's me being out weeks two to week eight. And so I would miss half the season, even though I was the backup. I didn't want to do that to the organization. And so because of the fact that I wasn't going to get playing time regardless. And then just the fact that I had CFL teams looking at me saying, Hey, we want you to be at our private workouts. I made the the tough, difficult decision to the final day of training camp saying, Hey, I'm going to go ahead and leave the organization, make it easier for you because I, I feel like I'm needing to pursue these CFL opportunities. Uh, and then it ended up adding another NFL workout with the San Francisco 49ers weekend before. So it turned into seven straight weeks of workouts. And so the San Francisco 49ers workout went really well. It was like, hey, we'll give you a contact back after the draft. Fortunately, they drafted Brock Purdy with the final pick of the draft. So then that kind of screwed everything up there. But no, I mean, and then same thing with the CFLs. The six CFL teams back to back to back went very, very well. But it was all the same thing. Like, hey, we got eight cues on roster for training camp already. So you're number one on our list to call when we need a guy. So I've kind of always been on standby with CFLs and even this past weekend, right after the XFL DC workout, uh, hopped on the train to get back to Baltimore, flew back to Atlanta that same night after the XFL DC workout and was straight back working out for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders because uh, they wanted to see me one more time before uh, they ended off their season here in about two or three weeks. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely been a whirlwind. Uh, I've definitely gotten a lot, a lot of maybes, but it's good that I'm not getting no's. So I'm just continuing to pursue that dream of being the guy at the end of the tunnel that that's wearing the gold jacket in camp. So it's what I got to do at this at this point in my journey and and whatever's next. Only God knows. So. You know, we have Dwayne The Rock Johnson, you know, player 54. I mean, you're essentially that guy right there, whether it's for the CFL, whether it's for an NFL team that's always taking a look at you're just you're right there yep you know it's so it's enough to tell you that you're meant to be pursuing this it's not meant to give up with especially you're blessed with the time that you're coming through this right just we happen to have so many more leagues now you know the national football league the canadian football league the usfl the xfl you know there for a moment looked like there was gonna be major league football and then you know but that might even come back it's obviously you are talented enough to play someplace here in obviously maybe even back in some form of arena. So of course, obviously you are not giving up you back in what was it? July participated at the the XFL Texas showcase, the Texas Arlington showcase with the XFL. Yep. 
What was your showcase experience like? Yeah, so that one's again a completely crazy story too. So uh, the ANC Combines and XFL staff invited me to be a part of the showcase. I ended up paying my way to make sure I would be there, have the ticket. Well, a couple of days beforehand, they're like, hey, uh, we've got a couple other guys that are showing up that have a better resume than you. So uh, we're pulling your ticket from you. And I'm like, what? I was about to hop on a plane to come to Dallas, Fort Worth uh, for that. So I'm still coming regardless. So is there any way I can be a staff quarterback or whatever, just to continue to be seen by you? Kind of taking that, um, like the guy that uh, went to the Cleveland Browns training facility stood out there every single day with a cardboard sign saying, hey, sign me. I do this, this, and this. And then he ended up getting an opportunity to work out for him. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go in and make my own luck. Uh, So if you give me an opportunity to be a staff quarterback, I'm going to do that. And so luckily they gave me a chance to be a staff quarterback. So I showed up 7 a.m. at Choctaw Stadium over in Arlington and met with the ANC Combines people that were running it, uh, showed up, got a T-shirt and decided, hey, like I'm going to go throw to these defensive backs uh, because that's where you need me. Uh, I'm going to do everything in my power to show that I'm an XFL or an NFL caliber quarterback in every drill that you're going to have me throw. So I went in through to defensive backs, through to linebackers, uh, doing breaking drills, all this other kind of stuff. And I had Coach Becht from St. Louis and uh, Coach Hines Ward, which was big for me because I grew up a Georgia fan. He's a Georgia legend. And pulled me to the side like, hey, like you look familiar. And I'm like, yeah, my name's uh, Justin Arth. I'm a quarterback. I was invited to the showcase, but had my ticket pulled last minute. Uh, so what I decided to come here and be a staff quarterback so I could still get looks. And they're like, hey, you're, you're actually pretty good. I don't know why they pulled the ticket from you. I think that's more an ANC Combines thing. But we want to invite you to stay for the afternoon session when the offensive guys show up. Uh, and so ended up going through the rest of the defensive session, still giving those defensive guys all I had because I want to make sure that those guys get good reps, good looks, too, because just as I deserve a shot to be in the league, so do those guys that are working their tails off. So I, regardless of how my arm would feel, go in and it worked extremely hard to make sure that they would look good and then decided, all right, all right, I'm staying for the afternoon session. This is, I made my own luck. Now it's time to go showcase. Ended up doing all their 3D motion cap quarterback drills. uh, And then we're showing up to start like testing with 40s and and getting into one-on-ones and all the other things that would happen later in the day with the breakaway uh, motion data. Uh, And then ANC Combine staff realized that I was still the staff quarterback wearing a t-shirt. And a part of the deal was you wouldn't talk to anybody. You would just be there for your job and leave. Uh, and so uh, security came up to me midway through the offensive session saying, hey, uh, you're not one of the guys with the jersey number on. Get the heck out. Uh, so midway through the offensive portion, was still kicked out of the stadium. But then I'm driving home uh, or driving back to my girlfriend's house who lives out there. And uh, we're going to a, a dinner with her grandfather. And then I'm my phone's getting blown up from friends, people, whatever, saying, hey, check Instagram right now. Check Instagram right now. I'm like, what what what's so wrong with Instagram that I need to go check right now and then I'm hopping on and like no go check the XFL's official page and I do and I'm the the one guy highlighted from all the quarterbacks and it's like all right you you invited all these other QBs but you're highlighting the staff QB for the workout and so that that was that was a big surreal moment to not only have coach Beck and coach Ward take interest in you but also for the media people of the XFL to say, hey, like this, this kid's got something and we're going to, yeah, you didn't tag me in it, but you're still going to post the pictures and say, this is, this is potentially one of our quarterbacks. 
and so it, it was it was definitely a surreal opportunity. And then that continued to open up doors with XFL Vegas, XFL DC, and then maybe a couple more coming up here pretty soon. Uh, so uh, it just continued to knock down doors and uh, fingers crossed, get that draft invite or supplemental draft invite since I'll be out at the supplemental draft showcase in October uh, in San Diego and go from there, make a roster, go compete and go help whatever XFL organization finds interest in me, go help them win a championship. This is what's interesting about the XFL, right? Forget about 1.0 back in 2001, 2020, this iteration of it is very interesting because they keep talking about leave no stone left unturned. Right. So it's, it just, every time you turn around, you kind of find out, Oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But even in there, they were willing to, Hey, you got to do the afternoon session. We missed this. However, whoever in personnel that messed up, essentially that's what they're telling you, right? (laughs) There's no way your your ticket should have been pulled. So Here they are. The coach is like, this guy needs to be. So they're constantly, I like that, right? I mean, and as a fan, as somebody that just loves football, you want the best talent, right? And you want any league that's really not just going to go, well, hey, we've already done our research. We're going to trust the the scouting reports we already have. And, you know, whether it's the personnel people, whatever. I kind of like that no matter what, they're going after who they see. And they're, they added that additional showcase through ANC here coming up in October and stuff. I like the fact that they're just not giving up. There's only so many seats at the table. They could have easily oh, just course. said, we've got plenty of players we looked at. We'll just pick between. But they're not satisfied. And it doesn't mean that they're not seeing the right amount of talent. They know there's more people yet to be seen. And I love that. And the fact that they saw you and they could have just been, oh, you know, you know, whatever. But they, they had stopped had the conversation with you, made sure you participated. It's ANC that essentially pulled the ticket on you again and kicked you back out. It's unfortunate, but those conversations leave lasting impressions. Of course. Whether it's coach back. Yeah. And that's what makes me very confident in the fact that this league isn't going to be like one of these other leagues that's are like the AAF, for example, like one that just shows up and is like, all right, we go bankrupt midseason. We're done. Everybody out. Everything that I've seen from the upper level personnel to the personnel that I've been around with the Vegas team, with the DC team, the conversations I've had with some of the head coaches at the Arlington Showcase, and obviously what I'm going to see in San Diego, they're not going to leave any stone unturned to find the best 53 guys to do a job. They don't care if you've played in the NFL for six years, got cut, and now you're a brand name because you're verified on social media. They're going to go find the best 53 or whatever the roster size is for the XFL. They're going to find those best guys, and the guys that want it the most are going to be the guys that are on the field. And and that's what I truly like about this league. And I mean, because you see how like the USFL operated. No slight to the USFL at all. If I get a contract offer to go there, I'm going there, as opposed to if I get one or don't get one in the XFL. Like what? But with the USF USFL last year. They were legitly looking at who was on a spring league roster, an NFL roster, and only inviting those guys. They weren't having private workouts. They weren't doing anything. It was legitly solely based on your resume of did you play in the spring league, did you play in the AAF, or did you play in the NFL or CFL, and that's your draft invitation. And so it was more 
profit-based in a way. They're trying to build a brand by bringing in brand names saying this guy played for the Packers and this guy played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and these are the guys that are your player 54s. Not necessary. And so the XFL is definitely not leaving any stone unturned here by saying, hey, we're going to go find talent wherever. We don't care if you've not even played a single down of football. If you can show us something and you show us that you're coachable, you can be a guy that can be successful in this league. So obviously you got offered those private workouts, right? Two so far, right? Vegas, DC. Can you walk us through what they're like? You know, obviously they're workouts, but I mean, were there any differences compared to what you've done in the past? Are they more one-on-one? Is it kind of a group setting? What does it entail? Kind of just share with our listeners what it's about. So with these private workouts, every organization is going to run it differently. So like XFL Vegas, for example, they still place a high value on your 40 time and your testing date. So we went in there and we did testing. Okay, we're going to go run our 40s. We're going to do our short shuttle. We're going to do the L drill, everything you'd see at the NFL combine. And then we're going to get on the field and then go do competition drills. So a one-on-ones, routes on air different position individual drills to make sure that we can see what you have as a quarterback or what you have as a receiver or what you have as a DB, et cetera. But then when we got to uh, XFL DC last weekend, it was completely different. They said, we don't care what your testing numbers is. We want to see who's a baller. We want to see who's a true football player. And they were very specific with being unlike a lot of these CFL workouts where CFL workouts just try to run you into the ground by doing testing, then one-on-ones, then this, then that, then that, seven-on-seven competition, whatever. Uh, By the end of of a CFL private workout or a tryout, whatever, you're dead because you spent four or five hours just nonstop doing stuff, just trying to rep everything out and get as many reps to be seen. The XFL DC uh, was... especially different because they said, hey, we've got four hours blocked out. We're not doing any testing because we can have your testing numbers from guys who have already been to showcases or guys that are going to be at the uh, showcase in uh, San Diego. Or if we really need the number, we'll text you and have you record a video of yourself. But what we want to see is we want to see ballers. So we're going to go do individual drill. We're going to take a nice long water break. Have uh, have trainers out there to stretch you out, do this, that, what, whatever you need to do. And then we're going to go do routes on air to see how you move in space. And then we're going to bring the DBs in and then we're going to go compete and everybody's going to stay up and we're going to have fun and we're going to take our time in reps. We're not going to sit here and and just go willy nilly and say, all right, uh, haul ass through reps just to try to get seen. No, they wanted every quarterback to be ready to go. They wanted every receiver to be ready to go, every DB to be ready to go, because they wanted everyone to put their best foot forward for every rep that you got. And so I really think Coach Case and Coach Barlow and everybody with the XFL DC staff is is truly on something here uh, or on to something here, because that, what they're doing is different than anything else that I've been at, but it produced the the highest work ethic that I've ever seen at a private workout. And that's including private workouts that are more individual at, at the NFL level. And so they're, they're trying to see who the ballers are and that's all they care about. Really cool. I mean, it's, you have to at some point start seeing the differences between these teams. And it's very clear between two. Right. And I'm also curious I thought I had heard someplace that 
the teams are still going to share information from the private yeah. workouts. Is that true? Is that what you've been told? Is that what you've been led to believe? Yeah. Uh, so everything that I've heard is that they'll gladly share the information to other people because even though XFL DC wants to make sure that they have a competitive edge to put the best team in Washington DC that they possibly can, as opposed to not wanting the Dallas team to have a good team or whatever, like they truly want to make sure that the guys that deserve an opportunity to be in this league, even if it's not with them, have an opportunity. Uh, and so they're going to get the data to to Seattle, to uh, to DC, to Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, whatever. And so everything's shareable. And and in a way, that may be some reason why like XFL Vegas will put higher priority on running uh, like 40s and things like that, because all that's going to be shared with all the other teams anyway. But uh, none of it's recorded uh, unless the team personally personally hires uh, a guy to come out to video uh, to do some videography and photography, uh, which Vegas did not have. But uh, DC did and was able to throw some stuff on my socials today from that because I finally got some of that back. But but no, I mean, these guys are are legit in terms of keeping the invited numbers small. So the I mean, yeah, there was eight quarterbacks there, about 20 receivers and about 20 DBs. But when you're running through reps like that, even if it's at a slower pace like we were, everybody's getting a true fair shot in that two hours that we had uh, to do that. But everything's staying small within 40 or 50 guys for every workout that I've been at. So they want to make sure everybody gets the the individual attention and the individual evaluation to make sure that they can show everything that they possibly can show to be one of those names called in November or December with the supplemental draft or be a free agent that's brought in for camp. Good deal. That sounds really awesome. You have representation now. Right. Are you with a particular agency or just an individual? Yeah. So at the moment, uh, I'm actually represented by two agencies. So I'm still kind of with the old agency for the arena based stuff uh, with uh, Brandy Runyon and Black Diamond Sports. But then I'm also kind of moved over to uh, Deron Griffin and Griff Sports Management for the NFL, XFL and the higher level football side. Uh, And so I'm kind of still working with both vicariously through each other to make sure that I leave no stone unturned too. I mean, I've got a couple arena offers that I'm sitting on right now, a couple bigger offers uh, that are definitely going to be coming through pretty soon. And then fingers crossed the XFL offers the draft invite and that's where I'm going. So, but just like how the XFL is not leaving any stone unturned to get the best players, I'm leaving no stone unturned in terms of getting me the game film that I need to, at the end of the day, be an NFL starting quarterback. Well, you have to, right? I mean, it's just as common sense. The leagues have to do what's in their best interest. You have to do what's in your best interest. So I completely exactly. get it. The reason why I asked those questions is because, you know, back in August, we learned of, you know, the draft invitation situation. And I'm trying to just to help any players. I get contacted all the time by various players that want to come on the show. And some people, you know, just don't have ties to the XFL whatsoever. And I try to make it, you know, related to the league that I'm covering here. So I think it's important to share who you're represented by, you know, what your experience is. How are they helping you in the process of achieving your goals? Are they really, I know you got two different agencies here, so it's it's probably night and day difference in some, but who's helping you more so in focusing on your training and, and all that type of stuff? Or are you really just kind of doing that on your own? 
So when I was looking for new agents, uh, I really only kind of left Black Diamond as a full service client solely just due to the fact that her connection base is in the Canadian Football League and Arena. So she'll do anything that uh, that works with the CFL or Arena. And I needed someone who was heavily connected, like with the NFL, XFL, USFL. And so Duran was able uh, to do that. And he's definitely uh, working his connections very well. But what I'm finding, too, is although he's got connections that maybe gets a, gets me a phone number, I'm still doing all the work myself. So it's not like my agent's calling everybody saying, hey, look at this, look, look at this guy, look at, look at this guy, reach out to him. No, like I'm getting phone numbers from him and I'm still going to work myself, emailing and uh, texting and whoever, any coach, my film and, and my resume and, and saying, hey, like, what can I do for a workout or what can I do? Um, get my information in your hands. So for me, I'm doing everything on my own at this point, because what I'm finding is doors are opening when I'm doing the work, uh, as opposed to when an agent's just kind of sitting back doing the work. But in terms of training and things like that, I've been with uh, APEC DFW uh, for a while. Uh, whenever I'm out there in Dallas, Apex is an amazing place to be, but uh, I was connected with Tom House Sports uh, and Tom House, the throwing guru, has uh, taught so many NFL quarterbacks as well as Major League Baseball pitchers uh, everything they know. Um, and I, I'm blessed to call him a, a mentor of mine now, too. But I've been been with them ever since I turned pro. And, yeah, it's led to connections like Apex, uh, where I have a gym to go work out at with NFL players and things like that. But Tom is really taking me under his wing with the other coaches like Robert Ambrose here in Peachtree City, Georgia, uh, that I work out with weekly, daily. And so those guys have really kind of taken my mechanics to the next level and and making sure that my my functional strength is is there. My absolute strength is there. My mental capacity uh, to get into a flow state to where everything just comes off the right brain uh, to where I'm just kind of feeling and doing as opposed to thinking about it. Um, and then obviously biomechanics that everybody wants to talk about. Uh, but then even take it a step further, like I'm, I'm on a meal plan and running the whole TB12 method uh, type stuff. So it's it's a full holistic kind of lifestyle now uh, in pursuing the greatness of, of being the best quarterback that I could be each and every day. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm forever in debt to Tom and I'm, I'm training quarterback, young quarterbacks and stuff like that now, too. And same thing with young pitchers to kind of help them out as well to continue to grow the company and and, and give back to the, the many kids that deserve that same type of thing that I was looking for at that age. No, I mean, Tom House Sports, National Pitching, National Football, kind of all branched on the same thing is where I do all my training. And then from the uh, from the f- f- functional and absolute strength side, APEC, out in DFW, and then a lot of it whenever I'm home in Georgia like I am now is a lot of band work, a lot of pliability. Um, and then I've got a little weight room set here in my room. So do do a lot from there. But but a lot of it is uh, is self-made. So I, I'm, I'm doing everything that I can to put my name out wherever I can. Um, and it's, it's, it's all me doing. It. So it's God opening up the doors, but it's the work that I'm putting in, whether it's contacting a coach or getting to a weight room or whatever uh, that's opening up the doors. So if uh, anybody out there's watching, listening, and you want to be a part of it, go work your tail off and it's, it's going to pay off at some point. You just have to continue to persevere through it and, and have faith that the hard work that you're putting in now is going to pay off in the end and get up every day and get 1% better because you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're, you're not staying the same. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I, I've had an XFL executive on the show before. 
So I typically provide an opportunity to each of my guests. If XFL coaches or key staff members were tuning in to this episode, I know you've already met certain ones, you're already interacting, but let's say one of the ones happened. What is there about you? Like one thing that is really unknown. Nobody has a clue that hasn't already worked with you in the college ranks or high school. What is the one thing about you that's very vital to who you are and what you bring to the table that they need to know so they can select you over another player? I'm a winner. So the thing is, you go back through everything. Yeah, the uh, the wins and losses in college technically kind of take a hit to that. But everything that I've done is anytime I'm under center, we're winning a football game. So I'm coming in with a Drew Brees-like attitude, a Drew Brees-like mentality. It's funny enough that you that I say that because uh, Tom compares me to Drew personality-wise. He's saying, hey, whenever I got a broken uh, broken Drew Brees with a torn-up shoulder in San Diego to, and I met him the first time, that same type of quiet confidence uh, yet outstanding leader that will do everything at the smallest level of detail at, but at highest level of effort, that's you. Or in, or in that case, it's me. So, I mean, I, I, I really do take all that. So I take my preparation more seriously than anything. And I think that's what separates me and makes me that winner. I'm going to be the guy that's going to sit six, seven, eight hours if I have to watching the same clip over and over and over again, just to get tendencies on every single defensive player that's on the field. And heck, even look at our tendencies to make sure like, hey, center, if you're moving to the left, you're kicking your right foot back. And if you're stepping to the right, you're kicking your uh, left foot back. Like little things that are going to make us better as a football team. And I'm just a football junkie. So uh, I'm going to sit there and every time I watch football, it's it's a job. It's a business to me. So if I'm watching Thursday night football tonight, or if I'm watching the NFL games on Sunday, I'm not enjoying it. I'm sitting there and I'm analyzing everything. That's why baseball's kind of my big kind of sit back and, all right, I'm going to sit here and watch the Atlanta Braves go win another World Series, hopefully. And that's going to be my pastime of, all right, that's me shutting off and relaxing. But no, I'm I'm a true winner. Anytime I'm under center, I get the job done however it needs to be. Uh, and the guys are going to see that in the locker room uh, once once I'm drafted into the XFL. Justin, it has been a pleasure. And I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk with me about your football experience, your XFL showcase experience, your workout experience with the XFL uh, Las Vegas and DC teams. I really hope you get that invitation. I mean, it just seems like you would be the perfect fit. I mean, obviously they're interested Let's just make it official and get you that invitation. So ultimately you can get selected and play in 2023. Cause if so, I would love to have you come back on so we can discuss how things are going in the XFL for you and your team. Oh yeah. Well, Michael, I'm always down to hop on here anytime. And obviously with an XFL contract, who knows uh, what they may or may not allow me to do, but Hey, anything I, anything I can do to hop back on the channel and, and help whatever I'm, I'm all game. I get it. Once you're employed, there's different rules. So, hey, we can cross (laughs) our fingers and hope, right? Of course. If some of our listeners want to follow you in your journey, where could they do so? Well, you can follow me on all my socials. So uh, you can follow me on IG or Instagram, jarthqb11 on Twitter, justinarthqb. Uh, You can follow me over on TikTok, jarthqb11 as well. Got a couple things that have blown up there. 
uh, that you'll like. Uh, Justin Arth on YouTube. I'm kind of doing the whole YouTube thing, trying to get my name out there too with some behind the scenes vlogs and, and all that. But then I've also got my own personal brand that kind of branches out from Tom House Sports where I do some quarterback training, but you can watch, uh, follow the journey. Uh, it's called a11performance.com. And uh, you can check me out there too. So it highlights the journey. It highlights the training modules that I can provide for quarterback services and, and all that kind of stuff too. So stay up to date on the journey and uh, it, you'll definitely see plenty of more content come from me soon. Perfect. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you, Michael. All right. Take care. I first learned of Justin from fellow dedicated alternative football media members. As I researched him, I became intrigued with his underdog path and positive outlook. He continues to catch the eye of alternative football coaches and leagues. Since recording his interview, Justin signed a contract with CIF's Wyoming Mustangs. This does not hinder his XFL chances because arena and indoor teams have out clauses for the National Football League, Canadian Football League, USFL, and XFL. What the contract does is guarantee that he'll be playing professional football in 2023. Best of luck to Justin on his continued journey. I will now be joined by renowned media member and writer Rod Peterson. Over the last 30 years, Rod has built an award-winning career in radio and television broadcasting, which includes the past two decades as the voice of Canadian Football League's Saskatchewan Roughriders, as well as 17 years as play-by-play broadcast in the Western Hockey League. Rod is also a best-selling author, and his website, rodpeterson.com, has twice been voted Canada's Sports Blog of the Year, with over 25 million all-time hits. Lastly, you can tune into Rod's podcast, The Rod Peterson Show, for more outstanding coverage and knowledge. Welcome, Rod. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss Dwayne The Rock Johnson's meeting with MLSE's Chairman Larry Tannenbaum and, you know, more. Well, uh, <laughs> I felt bad. By the way, thanks for having me on, Mike. And you asked me what I knew. And I'm like, I literally don't know anything other than they met. They might have gone for ice cream. I'm not sure. But where there's smoke, there's fire. And the guy, two people let me know that this meeting was going on. And obviously, I'm not going to reveal their identity. But they wanted me to know that there was a meeting going on. <laughs> but they didn't say any more that, is this why The Rock was in Toronto? They didn't say what the future was. So, Which is fine. It opens the door for us to speculate. I'm I'm cool with that. Well, we do know that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in Toronto to promote Black Adam, his movie coming out. So that was the purpose of his visit. But like you said, I use that term all the time, where there's smoke, there's fire. And especially when we have seen this more than once, so to speak, you know, the Canadian Football League, XFL talks, and even surrounding the Toronto Ar- Argonauts. There's all that backstory. So you don't know much of anything, but let's kind of go back here a little bit. March 10th of 2021, that's when we first learned of the CFL, XFL discussions. And July 7th of 2021, the Canadian Football League and the XFL ended discussions without an agreement, which resulted in the XFL canceling their 2022 season. You know, 2023 now is upon us. but we fast forward to December 7th around the Grey Cup of the Commissioner's State of the League. Randy Ambrosi shared some insight, you know, about the Canadian Football League's discussion with the XFL. He essentially the matter to rest. However, we've heard those ongoing reports from the Toronto Argonauts, how they are, for whatever reason, dissatisfied 
and they have a desire to potentially leave the Canadian Football League. So what am I missing? What are we missing here stateside? And why do you believe this topic and this potential merger or the Argonauts defecting the CFL for, you know, an American league? So what are we missing? What What is it that you may yeah. know or what are you hearing more? I mean, you know, north of the border that we're not getting here south of the border. Well, hey, I know a little more than I'm letting on. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what I know. It's I'd like to think this is just not a bunch of old white men sitting around gossiping because God knows there's enough of that in football. Something's afoot. And since I've been in South Florida, which is over a year, I've fallen in with a great crowd of guys that are pro football guys that are connected at every level, NFL, CFL, college, high school, all those guys. And some are money guys connected to the NFL and CFL. And basically what I will tell you that you may not know is that the CFL is split in terms of a vision. The community-owned teams, and I've heard this, I believe it, and I know it. The community-owned teams don't want to change anything. They don't. They want to stay nine teams, ten if they can, but they'd like that tenth team to be in Canada. Where, that's the community-owned teams, and there's some privately-owned teams. Argos for sure being one, and probably the Montreal Alouettes, that they're tired of living hand-to-mouth. They want to make money. Larry Tannenbaum, that chairman of the MLSC, didn't get into this for his health. He wants to make money. He want, They own the Raptors, the Maple Leafs, as you know, uh, an American Hockey League team, the Marlies the arena, and the Argos don't make money. So he, so there are a couple of teams, at least, that I think want to split off and, and join an American league. And the USFL, let's just park them aside. It's the Rock that owns the XFL and Redbird Capital. You're familiar with all of that. He comes and meets Larry Tannenbaum. What I've been led to believe is there's a lot of U.S. billionaires that just want to own teams. And they've been kicking tires on the Argos and the Alouettes, and maybe some other teams in the CFL, and they've been rebuffed, what I'm told. We're not for sale. Leave us alone. Billionaires don't take no that easily, Mike. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, yeah, without getting too far down this road or saying too much, it's guys that want teams. The CFL teams aren't available. The XFL is in a cash crunch, and they're not, as you probably know, because this is your forte, running like a Swiss watch either. For instance, let's talk about the Las Vegas team. We're a few months away from kickoff, and they don't have a stadium to play. I have a lot of football friends in Las Vegas that say, Allegiant Stadium said, you're not playing here. UNLV said, you're not playing here. I think there's some other middling, smaller stadiums in Las Vegas that they'll probably end up at, but I don't think The Rock wants to come off as small time either. So they got some, some problems to iron out, but I just think The Rock, he has the CFL in his heart. He played in it. He was cut by it. (laughs) Let's not forget that he's a huge part of his story. And he's a great businessman. So I think that's why he's kind of turned his attention to Canada. And I still think that partnership may be there. But while you're not hearing stuff from Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the CFL, and incidentally, I think he's in a lot of trouble. From what, what I keep hearing is he's in a lot of trouble. This might be his last season. Is This may not even involve the CFL. This might be The Rock and Toronto and Montreal see a CFL. Does that give you a little more info? I believe it does. So you think this could very well be, if the Argos go, the Alouettes are right with them. I absolutely think that. And that's because the ownership, the personalities involved in the inner, the ownership of both teams are are very close friends. Shoot, in some cases, I think they might be related or by marriage or something. Like they're one, Toronto and Montreal. 
And if they think that they've outgrown the CFL, I don't have a problem with that because they probably have. The CFL is not growing. It's shrinking. Toronto and Montreal are world-class cities. And unfortunately, the CFL is not a world-class league. And, you know, the I have a problem, and I've spent 20 seasons in the CFL as a play-by-play guy. I have a problem with their resistance to change. They're just happy with what they have. And uh, I, I don't, I'm old enough. I worked in the league in the 90s when we had the eight U.S.-based teams. It was awesome. It was awesome. More jobs for coaches, players. It's not the same teams. not the Edmonton Eskimos coming in four times a year into your town. You know, I'd, lo- I'd love to see the Tampa Bay Vipers. I'd love to see the Houston Roughnecks. And the, you know what I mean? Um, so that's, but I, listen, Mike, you caught me at a time where I don't even really like talking about it because the diehard, staunch CFL fans, they want my head taken off. They don't want to see any change. They, the most horrible things have said about the, been said about the rock i don't even know why yeah like it's that's where i say canadian football fans are split over what should happen you know i'm not really surprised because with the canadian football league willing to come to the table there must have been more than one person right so when we kept hearing the argonauts i knew it had to be more you're not just gonna sit at a table because to appease one person I mean, especially if it's the community teams that really don't care about the privately owned teams. So I kind of speculated that was the case. So what do you think the chances are? Is it something sooner rather than later? Is it really minimal chance that something actually happens where maybe they leave and join an American league? Are we looking where maybe they would eventually be open to selling the rights to the Argonauts and the Alouettes to American owners? I mean, so I, I know that's kind of a loaded question, but what is it you think? What are, is it more you're hearing that is more possible, not possible? Or, Well, I think something's imminent. And that's why I think this isn't just talk. But if the CFL has the same bylaws in it, like a lot of hockey leagues that I deal with, you need to, you need to give a year's in advance notice of an intention to leave. Okay, so when the XFL kicks off in 2023, which we all assume it will, I don't think there's enough time for the Argonauts to be part of that. I don't. But I I think that one thing about these rich guys, and I'm around them all the time, they don't like to admit failure. So in the case of Larry Tannenbaum with the XF or with uh, MLSE, he doesn't want to say, we failed with the Argos, I'm selling the team. No, he just wants to make money. That's what his mandate is, and he wants to win championships. So we're a year away, I think, from any sort of split happening. But I think the XFL will kick off. But it, you know what? As they say, with enough money, anything's possible. So I just think the fact that I was tipped off that this meeting was happening was not by accident. So I'm kind of giving you an idea of what I think is going to happen. But, I, you know, hey, when this hits the media, people are going to say, oh, Rod doesn't know what he's talking about again. And when you talk about those initial meetings, the reason, Mike, that I think they happened, the CFL was on dire straits financially. That was just ahead of the kickoff of the truncated 2021 season. And they'd wiped out 2020. Half these teams, they're always teetering on bankruptcy. I'm shocked they made it through as it was. I think Randy Ambrosi was talking to the XFL as a means for survival. And you mentioned March 10th. Good digging up the fact, because I remember that day very well when Ambrosi announced it. I look back and think, why did you do that? I got to think it was just a distraction for guys like you and me to distract us from the real problems of the league of whether they're going to play or not, our team's going to fold. And to be honest, Randy and I were at one time pretty good friends. I haven't talked with him 
been a couple of years. Uh, I think he's mad at me. I don't really care. I'll be around longer than him. But I don't know why he threw that out. I don't know why. If they were to make a move, do you think the XFL is the preferred landing spot for like the Argos and Alouettes? Or you just think it's just... The NFL is the preferred landing spot for Toronto. Like Larry Tannenbaum wants that. He wants that on his tombstone, which I think he's close to 80. Healthy, though, and does a lot of great things. He's chairman of the board of the NBA. Larry wants on his tombstone, this man brought the NFL to Toronto. So that's the preferred. Well, that makes makes sense. I mean, that should be the obvious. But, I mean, I was trying to look at is maybe a realistic. But I guess it would be somewhat (laughs) realistic because we're here in the National Football League is looking – potentially putting four teams in Europe. I mean, how couldn't Toronto be in the mix, especially when the Bills used to host some home games in Toronto, right? I mean, so you'd have to think that's just as possible. Yeah, I'm all for what's best for the game. And you say, like, the the, the attendance for the Argonauts is pitiful. I mean, you're you're clearly very up on the XFL. What would you say was the average attendance in the last iteration of the XFL, 2020? season what was the last uh, roughly i'm not gonna hold your feet to the fire but. low end was what the around 14 15 thousand for a team high end was in the 20s so i mean you're probably probably averaging 18 ish if you're going across the board but looking at the argos as far as what i remember maybe not this season i may not be as in tune wasn't last season they're averaging right around 10 11 yeah i was gonna say those crowds would be double what the argos are drawing now and for what I, for whatever reason, I don't know, but I've never lived a day in Toronto. I've been there lots, never lived there. So I don't get the mentality of the people there, but what I'm told is they'll latch on to what's the cool thing. Uh, Drake made the Raptors very popular before they were a championship team. If the Torontonians felt the rock was attached to the XFL, they'll probably fill the stadium. And I think they feel they've outgrown the Ottawa or Ottawa Red Blacks and the BC Lions. If they had the New York Guardians come in, it's all about perception, Mike. The football isn't any better in terms of caliber, but they don't know the difference. I don't. I don't think they know the difference. It could just be the four-down game, right? If Toronto's more of that hip. I've been to Toronto multiple times, and I always kind of got this feeling it's just a miniature Manhattan. You know, but with a Canadian twist, no doubt. I mean, but it had a very similar vibe as Manhattan does, you know, like Broadway shows, all the shows they have, and just even like the nightlife, because I worked in New York City for a bit. So I always kind of had that, you know, similar feel. So I can see the XFL not just talking as well, because we've heard Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia constantly mentioning that it's going to be a global league, this global you know, reach and stuff like that. Well, you can't just be a global league and reach just because you're going to have broadcasting deals, you know, maybe north of the border, south of the border, Europe, wherever, right? To be truly a global league, you're either going to have to have teams or really draw a lot of players in from other countries, right? That's the only way you have a true global feel for the league. So I can see this is not just talk, right? Even on the XFL zone, right? And so obviously the CFL teams, the privately owned teams, are interested in making a move, doing something. Well, I can definitely see it even on the XFL's end. All right, this is the right fit. Who wouldn't want Toronto and Montreal, right? So, I mean, if you look at population-wise, aside from that, it's Vancouver, top three largest populated cities, right, in Canada, as far as I know. So, I get it. I mean, it, it makes sense that Northeastern 
void right now with the XFL too. If we kind of think about it, you know, Toronto would be easy access for anybody in the Buffalo area. If you live even in parts of um, Eastern New York state and Vermont and New Hampshire, you know, Montreal's not that far of a drive. So I can kind of see if you're trying to lure some people in, not just from Canada to make it a global league. I see it also being very enticing potentially for people now that have that vacant New York guardians for this time around, there could always be expansion to bring them back, but I, it makes sense to me. And I don't usually share a lot of my own opinions on the show. I usually try to let everyone else, but this is just a discussion. I've always kind of been intrigued with it. It's, it's put to bed. It resurfaces. Well, again, smoke fire. It's, well, I, I, you just gotta yeah. be. So you talk about adding from, from an XL, XFL standpoint to Canadian markets, all of a sudden you got teams maybe in Mexico city, that kind of thing. You could be Canada, USA, Mexico, and say you're global, even though you're ignoring the other half of the globe. But with The Rock, who is a star over there, he could legitimately pull it off. And I thought when these talks were happening way back when, and again, try and get Randy Ambrosi on and see what he says. See if he'll say why they went down this road. That's where I thought we were going. And when they pulled the rug out from under it just before the kickoff of that shortened season, I was like, I'm done with you. I'm done with you guys. And and most of the league still doesn't want to change. So I'm like, you know what? Go. Good luck. But what I'm telling you about is that text that I got last week. I was in Atlanta when I got it. Tannenbaum of the Rocker meeting this week. Boom. That was it from the first guy. And then I called a, but, uh, another guy and he's like, yeah, yeah, they are. Something's afoot. They want it to happen. And if you're the Rock, he's a, obviously a football guy. Ballers too. All of, a sudden they're, all of a sudden, they're incorporating the XFL into that TV show. They're advertising the XFL right now at Disney. I've seen the ads. People have sent them to me. So I think, listen, I'm a business guy. I own my show. We've ventured into America, and it's been the greatest thing ever. We've got a TV network. We're putting together radio stations that could broadcast this league. So I think they're, they're looking. Why do you think I was told this? Out of all the people they could tell, that I could reach a lot of people. So it, it's coming. I just, I just can't tell you any more than that. That's really all that I know. Is it a possibility, though, that Tannenbaum and MLSE, the Argonauts, uh, I mean, in the Elouettes, they just decide, listen, it will just buy into the XFL. The XFL is looking potentially to sell up to 45%. We heard all these rumors as well, right? They're looking yeah. for new investors. I kind of think that's tied to selling franchises. I know some other people have heard that it's just looking for straight investors without actually purchasing particular markets or teams. So could it be like, all right, maybe we're not going to get the Argos. Maybe we don't get the Alouettes, right? Is it a Tannenbaum? You just want to buy in? Oh, he's got the money to do it. Right. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because the specific text, I'd have to go back and look at my phone, but it was like, Tannenbaum's meeting with The Rock this week. That's it, man. I can't tell you any more than that. We could sit and speculate for hours. I don't think Larry at this stage of the game at his age. But I think the idea of going into business with The Rock, because I heard that from some people in the CFL. You can just, look, I've been to enough Board of Governors meetings. I've sat outside, just like the guys covering the NFL meetings this week. I've sat outside the boardroom. I could just see the CFL chairman coming out of the meeting going, we're going into business with The Rock, and just being excited about that. That's the private owners. 
and the community-owned teams don't want to do it. But the fact that it is The Rock, and I just think that's my point about being an entrepreneur. It's, he wants to build stuff. That's what he did. And building this league is what I think has him interested. I don't know. That doesn't really answer your question. That's going down another road, but good. I mean, this it, is all a rabbit hole to some extent, is it not? I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's some. Well, there's smoke, there's fire. But I mean, to some extent, all we can do is speculate. And where could it take us? You know. Yeah. So I guess my other question would be: We know, you know, the, the brand of football. It's football, but the brands are different. Three downs, four downs. Could four down football? Could it be really supported? Do you, in your opinion? I mean, I've read all sorts of response, you know, when people post something and you see, you know, I, I call them the fanboys or even the diehards, you know, supporters come in and they're like, oh, that's not Canada, will never support. What's your feel? Is the four down football, is it, is it just one of those things like it's really not our thing? Or is it, there's more support there than people lead on? Uh, I, I appreciate the question. You're obviously very interested in this. And um, as a lifelong Canadian here, half a century, I can tell you this. And my parents would roll over in their graves at the concept of going to four down football in the CFL. That will never happen. That's not, that's not going to happen. Canadian football as an entity should not change. I mean, when that came up and they were talking about a merger, oh my God, were people upset? I get it. I also don't want the CFL to be Blockbuster or Kodak. But it might be. You know, if you don't want to evolve, it's at your own peril. I'm getting to a point. Kids playing minor football in BC and Ontario and maybe certain regions of Canada are playing four-down football. Interesting. From a developmental standpoint, it gives them more downs, playing on American-sized fields in some cases. So it's not like they don't know what it is or what U.S. rules are. Point is this. CFL, to its own peril, isn't going to change. Saskatchewan Rough Riders or Hamilton Tiger Cats are always going to play three-down football in their stadiums on 110-yard fields. That's not to say Canadians would not show up at BC Place Stadium in Vancouver, which holds 60,000, or Rogers Centre in Toronto, which holds 55,000, and watch the XFL four downs. They go. And there was a time, Mike, I want to say about 15 years ago, Canadian CFL football ratings were two to three times higher than the NFL. And I remember in Canada, and I remember saying to the broadcasters on TSN, I said, boy, you better watch out, man. You're hearing footsteps. And the broadcasters for TSN were like, ah, NFL will never overtake the CFL in Canada for viewership. It has by a healthy margin. I want to say it's like 50% more viewers are tuning into the NFL now. It's not about four downs or three downs. It's about marketing. It's about just as many, probably more Canadians know who Russell Wilson is and dang sure Josh Allen than who the quarterback of the Toronto Argonauts is. Because of marketing. It's on our TVs all the time. So my point is they're not anti-four down. Um, just certain CFL fans and people are. Is that fair? Yeah, they just must be the, the louder segment of the fan base because I'm not really Bingo. hearing from the other. So maybe they just are willing to get on their soapbox and speak their mind a little bit more. It, it's <laughs> interesting I'm from Western New York originally. I, I was born and raised in South uh, Rochester. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So oh, yeah. it's not all that Absolutely. far from Buffalo. Although I didn't grow up a Buffalo Bills fan, I, I have attended my fair share of Bills games. And I must say there is a good amount of Canadians that are Buffalo Bills fans. And there, there's a reason why the Bills were holding 
a home game there for a couple of years up at uh, the old Sky Dome. What is it? Rogers Center yeah. now or whatever it is. So there's a reason there. And I mean, I didn't meet just one or two every time. There was a good amount of tailgates of just pure Canadians that came down together. So they're season ticket holders, not just coming down for a game. They would talk about how they've been fans for years. So I knew there's a segment, right? They're not only willing just to watch it on TV. They're willing to put their money where their mouth is, drive across the border, come to games, make a day of it, maybe even get hotel rooms if they decide to really make a heck of a day of it where they can't drive back. So. I guess my next question is if the CFL is so dug in their brand is right. We're not going to change three downs. If there is somebody like the Argonauts, the Alouettes that are willing to make the change and play in American league. And that four down football is now on Canadian soil. What does that do to the, to the Canadian football league? Well, the CFL's hurting as it is. Um, f- from what I hear from my Eastern Canadian friends, is they call it the Prairie Football League, the PFL. It's only popular on the prairies. So again, their reluctance to change and evolve will be at their own peril. So you, you should have been open to expansion and tweaking things. So, so I don't know. Like I say, I'm all for growth. I'm all for expansion. What's best for the game? You know, I don't like the fact that. This coach's salary cap's been imposed in the CFL. You can't have more than X amount. They can't make this more money. It's because they're shrinking as a league. So yet a lot of the the personnel people in the CFL don't want to see a a mix or a morph or a merge because they feel that their brand of football will die. And I'm like, well, okay. Or, you know, honestly, Mike, the mother load for me would be if the CFL had become NFL Canada. You know, if the XFL never got off the ground on this next iteration, and but we became a farm a farm league, a feeder league for the NFL, then you're ensuring financial stability. You're you got an influx of talent every year because NFL teams are sending their prospects, and the football people go, no, 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 because our tweener linebackers that are too small for the NFL but too big for this, that that'll go the way of the dodo. So I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the answer. is. That NFL feeder league thing may not be as far of a stretch as some people believe it is. We know the XFL already has a information and innovation partnership with the NFL. We know that they also have a deal with the NFL Academy. I know there's not as much of an affiliation with the NFL Academy with the National Football League as people believe, but you know, there's still there's still an affiliation there. Those players from the Academy is once they complete, as long as they don't sign with an NFL team, they have a XFL contract right there. So we know there's enough right there. We know that there's enough ties. So that may not be that far off. And I can see how that's definitely enticing, not only for the XFL and you know other people that might want to invest, but Canada. Now they kind of have that NFL tie or that kind of bigger feel. So yeah, well, I don't think it's that that's as far of a I fetch as some think. I haven't talked about this in a year or two, particularly on these interviews, and I'm glad for the opportunity to talk about it. And if you are a northeastern guy, Mike, are you a hockey fan? Obviously you're a football first, but are you a hockey fan? Yeah, I was always a casual fan for years. And then back during this pandemic, I really got into it. So I was always a Rangers fan, but now I tune in. It's rare that I catch a game. I'll watch it on ESPN Plus all the time. Yeah, well, the reason I ask is that, and obviously you got 
the Rochester Americans there uh, in the American Hockey League. I don't understand the difference between football and hockey people. And I was raised a hockey person. My dad worked in the NHL for 26 years. The, the NHL-AHL agreement should be what the NFL, CFL, or XFL agreement should be. They have always used the American Hockey League as a guinea pig to try out new rules. It's always been a developmental league for the NHL. But it's a square. there's no ratio in the American Hockey League, or the NHL for that matter. You know in the CFL, 40% of the players need to be Canadian. Right? And that's like the biggest sticking point of all of Canadian football fans is if we merge with the XFL, what happens to the ratio? Because in the 90s, you don't look old enough to remember, but in the 90s, when we had eight Canadian teams and eight U.S. teams all in the CFL, U.S. antitrust laws wouldn't allow the ratio to be enforced in America. So the U.S. teams were 100% American. And it became a wonderful marketing opportunity and something to watch during the games. How are these teams that are half Canadian going to do against the teams that are all American? It's awesome. And history will show they were about 500 against each other. But now the diehard, again, do you see the American Hockey League having some absurd, absurd rule that only like 40% of your players have to be American? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And yet in the CFL, they're still married to that. They're married to that. And they're like, well, if we merged with the XFL, what happens to the ratio? And I'm like, it worked in the 90s that we didn't have it in the U.S. Why can't we do that again? But they don't want, they don't want to hear it, man. It's yeah. well, it sounds like they're just looking for excuses not to change, right? Whether it's, like yes. you said, whether it's the community-owned teams, whether it's the fan bases, whatever. They're just not willing to adapt with times. And, and I get it. I'm not a Canadian. You know, I loosely watch games and... You know, the other day I was watching the BC game. I uh, can't remember who they're playing, but they were at Winnipeg, home. And I just saw that that they have those curtains, like those tarps that they even use for the Vancouver Whitecaps that play there, right? It's to make it look not as empty. When they renovated that stadium, those curtains were supposed to be really for the soccer team because they knew they weren't going to draw as much. Well, now they're being used for the football team. And I didn't realize that until I'm sitting there watching a the game and I'm like, that's. It's not a good look. You had this bigger arena and you're only going to show the lower bowl and put these curtains up, but you can kind of still see through the curtains and see the empty seats behind it. So it is what it is. I'm not here to bash the CFL. You know, that's not at all my intention. Obviously I just, I saw your tweet and I saw some exchanges, you know, with, you know, people responding to it and I, and I get it. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. That's what makes the world go around, but there is something there. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to reach out and I'm so glad that you were willing to come on and just discuss it. Yes. We don't know for a fact, but there's gotta be something there. So Rod, it has been a pleasure. I appreciate you coming on to take uh, the time just to, to chat it up with me and discuss these uh, possibilities, <laughs> but you know. well, I hope it goes somewhere. I, I, cause I don't have time to quote Jerry Jones. Cause I'm a Cowboys fan. I don't have time. They have a bad time. If, if they're just talking idly, I'm not here for that. But this doesn't seem like that. So I appreciate it. I got your number now, Mike. So maybe we can get together in South Florida. Shoot, it'd be great to go to a game sometime, oh, I, an XFL I, game. I would huh? love that. Yeah. I mean, it would be Orlando for right now. But, hey, it's a little bit of a drive. But I used to drive when I lived in Syracuse down to East uh, Rutherford there to watch the Guardians when I was a season ticket holder. So four hours, that's nothing. So Orlando's not that far. 
I would happily meet up with you and uh, catch a game. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. If our listeners, I know that you're all over doing a million things. So for Hmm. my listeners that may not be aware of you for whatever reason, I've followed you for a little bit on one of my accounts and we just connected on the other account. But if some of our listeners want to be able to follow you and your work, could you just kind of list off everything that you're kind of doing and we have take, a moment take, or is that too long? too long? It would take too long. Well, I don't want to waste your time or your <laughs> listeners. Just follow me on Twitter at Rod Peterson and you'll see that we're on Game Plus TV, WQEE Radio Atlanta, rodpeterson.com, daily website that I update. That gives you an idea. So that's that's a start. Yeah. Thank you for that opportunity. At Rod Peterson. Absolutely. I'm a firm believer that people need to be checking into the people, you know, checking them out, seeing what they're up to, whether it's the players I bring on, whether it's just people like you or just league people. I think it's very important that as a football community, especially this alternative community, that we kind of follow each other a bit. I think we're more alike than we are different. I don't care if it's a Canadian football league. I don't care if it's the USFL. I don't care if it's the XFL. I think we are these diehard hardcore fans. Why not? If we just met, you know, in some other circumstance without the badge of the XFL behind me and somebody with the CFL, I think we'd be best of friends because we have a common passion for football and why not? make sure everyone's following each other or at least looking into each other. And I, well, they, the people that aren't like us will never understand us. And I don't understand them because even the fan controlled football league, I'm sitting at home on a Saturday night, watching it on Twitch and loving it. I mean, I don't know what we would do. The game is so great because the people are so great. Everything about it is so great. If you're not into this, what are you into? You know what I mean? So it is important that we stick together. You know, you know what I mean? Like, the nine to fivers that maybe only follow the NFL. I'm like, you're, you're not a football fan. You're an NFL fan, but you're not a football fan. Right. And it's just a wonderful world that, uh, just so grateful to be part of it. And there's even a lot of casuals that are NFL fans. They're really, when you really get into it, it's just that hip thing. Like you were talking about with people in the Toronto markets or whatever that knew whatever, but it's funny how many people actually are not that knowledgeable of the sport. When you get into it, yeah. so not the bash. I'm a Dolphins fan, which works now for me being in Florida. I did for the first three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, two is coming back. Been. Hopefully, two is okay. Yeah. I mean, they gotta yeah. be a little bit more cautious and kind of put some bubble wrap around him sometimes because he he does I have know. that injury prone that knack to pick him up one way or the <laughs> other, whether it's his hip in college or now the slew of injuries he's had. But again, I appreciate you chatting it up. I've had a, a great time. You know, it's definitely hit me up sometime. I, I love to meet up when you're down here, even if it's just to grab a drink or a bite. Oh, no, no, you're recovering. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Please really look up Rod because he does a million things. That's why you said you couldn't have mentioned it. People, <laughs> he has changed his life. He's working on helping people change theirs. So I'm glad I made a slip up because it gives me a moment just to kind of share that you really need to look into it. He's doing a million things. I know you've had a book out there, maybe two. You've three, had a bestseller. Actually. Oh, three. Okay, yeah. so please look him up. He's, you know, it was just a, a you know, a little slip there. I didn't think about it for a second. So, yeah, no. say, uh, you're good, man. I'll have Diet Coke. You have whatever you want. We'll have a big time. All right. Well, thank you. We'd, I'd love to do this again sometime. Maybe when we actually have something. Yes, absolutely. We'll get you over and come on my show when I'm back in South Florida over in Boca. All right, Mike. Appreciate you, man. Take care. I know this sounds like a cliche, 
but Rod finding the time to come onto our show and share his knowledge is a real treat. Again, if you are not familiar with him or his work, I recommend visiting his website, rodpeterson.com. That is R-O-D-P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N.com to check out his work. Unfortunately, there has not been any fan line messages for this week. But don't forget, if you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.